0: Hey guys, welcome to Hallowed Groundling. I'm really excited to be back doing a podcast with you guys. I haven't done one in a long time by myself, um, so it's exciting to come back and be doing another one with you. Um, so I'm going to be continuing the Halloween series with you tonight. I'm going to be breaking the series up as follows. Uh, tonight we're going to be doing Halloween 2 and Halloween 3. Halloween 3. Then we'll be doing 4 and 5, and then 6, H2O, and Resurrection, which I could skip, but (laughs) I won't for the sake of the series. Then we'll be doing Rob Zombie's 1 and 2 in one podcast, and then I will do a podcast dedicated to the brand new Halloween, which came out this past year. I finally got to see it I have been a horrible horror fan. I didn't get to the theater to see it, unfortunately. I got very sick right after I got married, so I didn't feel well, and then I just didn't make it to the theater to see it, unfortunately. But I did buy it before I'd even seen it, (laughs) because I had a feeling I was really going to love it, and I did. Um, I absolutely adored it. I've watched it twice since I got it earlier this week, so it's it's excellent, and I'm excited to do a, a whole podcast completely dedicated to that one film, because it was awesome. And I have a lot to say about it. So that will be fun. So that's the breakdown of how we're going to do the rest of the Halloween series. And as I said tonight, we're going to be going over Halloween 2 and 3. They're two of the films that I really love in the series. Uh, one is always my favorite, obviously. But but I, I do like 2 and 3 um, for their own um, on their own merits, so to speak. So let's get right to it. Um, Halloween 2 came out in 1981, uh, three years after the original Halloween. It was directed by Rick Rosenthal. Uh, Rick Rosenthal did a lot of television. He still does television, actually. He's still very active as a director. Uh, it was written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Uh, they did step back in to, um, to write for this, the sequel. Even though when they made the original film, the first film, they didn't plan on it having a sequel at all. They thought it was just going to be a standalone movie. But, of course, because the film was such a massive hit, they decided that they wanted to do another another film. So, they did step in and uh, and write the film. Um, Jamie Lee comes back as Laurie Strode, and uh, Donald Pleasance comes back as Loomis. Um, there's another, also Charles Cyphers comes back as Lee Brackett, the sheriff, uh, who's father to Annie. And of course, he steps out after he finds out Annie has died from the night before and blames Loomis, basically. And then we don't see him again for the rest of the film. And, of course, then Loomis joins up with another law enforcement official to try to figure out where Michael is and what's going on and everything like that. So, um, <clears throat> Besides that, for the cast, um, there's also Lance Guest, who plays Jimmy. Uh, he's one of the orderlies. And I really love Lance Guest. I think he's a fantastic character actor. He was, um, he's been in so many things. But the one that always stands out to me is he played Michael in uh, Jaws the Revenge, the fourth Jaws movie that they made. And he played Michael in that. He's a, a marine biologist and it's in the Bahamas. Um, he's really excellent in that movie. That movie's terrible. It's a real clunker, but it, <laughs> but he's wonderful in it. And I really enjoy him in that film as Michael. I think he's great. He's also a really neat little fact that I found out while I was doing some re- research is, uh, he starred with Dan O'Herlihy, who actually played, um, Cochrane in Halloween three. He starred with him in the last starfighter. And it was actually directed by Nick Castle, who played the Shape in the original Halloween. So there's all kinds of Halloween family things going on. It's kind of neat. I liked that those little uh, tidbits that I found out while I was doing this. Um, also, uh, Jeffrey Kramer is in Halloween too. Uh, he played Graham, and he was in the first Jaws, of course. So uh, I love all those uh, those neat little connections. Uh, Leo Rossi played Bud, who was another orderly, and. Um, Every time I see Leo Rossi, I can't help it, but all I can think about when I see him is The Accused. Um, He was in The Accused. He played one of the the guys that cheered on the rape that they actually go after in the film, uh, in the trial, um, to convict them for basically egging on what happened. And he has like a scorpion tattoo on his arm, but I always remember him from that movie because he was such a horrible guy, like just terrible. And, uh, and every time I see him, that's all I think of, even when I see him in Halloween too. So, um, yeah, you know, but hey, what are you going to do? I just can't, I, it's so funny. It's like, I just associate him every time I see him. I'm like, yep. I just think of you from the accused every time time I see your face. Uh, (laughs) Pamela, Susan, Shu played Karen, who was one of the nurses who actually has a little tryst going on with Bud. And, uh, they both, um, Eat it when they're down fooling around in the jacuzzi downstairs, and that seems pretty revolting in the in the movie too. So, um, and also something I found out while I was doing research is that Dana Carvey is in this. Uh, he plays an assistant, and I, you know, I've never seen him in it, and I was really shocked when I saw him in the credits. I was like, "Where is he in the movie?" So I'll have to go back and watch it um, and figure out where he is. I'm sure I can find it easily, but it's just. I, I've never noticed that before when I was doing the research. I was like, oh, how interesting, how cool. He was very young, obviously, when he did that. So a uh, basic synopsis of Halloween 2, I mean, if you haven't seen it, which I hope you have if you're listening to this, uh, it takes place directly after the original film. So it literally picks up where the other film left off. Um, a neat little thing was that when, uh, in the end of Halloween, um, Loomis shoots Michael six times and Michael falls off the balcony and onto the ground and then of course Loomis comes to the balcony looks and he's gone um, but when you watch Halloween 2 they actually you know they, they replayed some of that at the end they replayed when Michael sits up you know after the scene in the closet with Laurie when he goes to choke her and then Loomis comes upstairs after the kids run outside screaming And, um, when he shoots him again in, in, in not again, but when he shoots him in part two in the same scene, there are seven gunshots instead of six shots, which is, it's always, it always stands so far out to me every time I hear it. And I'm like, I don't know much about guns, but I don't think that gun holds seven bullets. I think it only holds six, which makes it kind of funny. So, um, yeah, that always sticks out to me. (laughs) And of course, so it's, it's picks up right there. And then Lori's taken to the hospital because she's injured from what happened um, at the house. And it's basically the night is just Michael's out. He's trying to find Lori and um, he figures out quickly that she's at the hospital. But Loomis is like driving around with the cops trying to find Michael, trying to figure out where he is. And um, and of course it all comes to a, a head at the hospital at the end. Michael gets to the hospital and he chases Lori and uh, Loomis finds out the uh, big cliffhanger in the film, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So that's kind of a brief synopsis of Halloween 2, of what happens in it. Um, So one little neat thing that I found out was that is the exact same mask, actually, in Halloween 2 that is in in, in the first Halloween. Now, I found that fascinating because the mask looks totally different in Part 2. And I, with doing this research, I found out why it looks different. So I guess what happened at the end of the first film, well, first of all, Nick Castle, who played the shape in the first movie, he um, apparently would take the mask off and he would fold it in half and put it in his back pocket when he would be not filming a scene, which gave it some, you know, it it was getting some bent, worn look to it because of that. And then um, apparently at the end of the film, Deborah Hill took the mask home with her and she put it in a box and she put it under her bed, but she was a very heavy smoker. So it got very yellowed while it was (laughs) under her bed. So it had a very yellowed look to it when they took it out to use it for part two. And also Dick Warlock, who played Michael in the second movie, he was a lot shorter than Nick Castle. So he, you know, he, he, the mask looked wider on him than it would have looked on Nick, who was very tall and thin. Um, so it was, it was pretty wild. And then I guess at the, apparently at the end of part two, they ended up giving Nick, um, Dick Warlock the mask, the, which is so cool. He ended up with the Halloween mask, which uh, that's awesome, uh, the original one. Um, so they gave him that. They gave him the knife, they gave him his jumpsuit, like the entire outfit, pretty much. And then, because they planned on not making any more, and then, of course, they ended up making four, and they regretted that. And I guess after that, they never gave away another piece of the Michael memorabilia to any of the actors that played Michael, because they said, well, who knows if we'll use it again, if we'll need it again. So, And, of course, when you know you watch part four, the mask looks completely different. Michael looks completely different in the fourth film than he does in the second film, or the first he always looks different in every film. I mean, I'd have to say that this new movie got him fairly close to how he looked in the first film, except that it's much more gritty and dirty because it's a many, many years later. But um, yeah, he, it, it's it was just really fascinating. I thought that was pretty cool that they gave him everything and then, you know, they ended up making another film and had to redo everything all over again. Um, speaking of like, you know, what people have to wear for the films. Apparently, Jamie Lee, um, she cut her hair very short in the 80s, and so she had to wear a wig <laughs> when, when she did this movie because her hair was super, super short, and they wanted her to look like she looked that night, so she had to wear a wig. Um, a neat little tidbit, I found out that um, the girl that's on the phone, Alice, and and she her friend is telling her about the murders that just happened. The friend on the phone is actually Nancy Loomis who played Annie in the first film, so that's pretty cool. Um, of course, we find out in this film that uh, Michael and Lori are siblings. Um, that's why Michael's chasing her down, trying to kill her just like he killed his other sister. And that's when, when Loomis realizes, you know, like, oh, he's going after Lori. That's, that's where he is. Where's Lori? At the hospital. Gets the, the marshal to turn around and take him to the hospital, pulls the gun on him to, to get him to take him there. Um, another little neat thing is, um, the boy that gets killed and, um, when he's wearing like the mask and he gets hit by the car and the car explodes into flames, that is supposed to be Ben Tramer, who is actually the boy that Lori had the crush on, um, who she tells Annie about, you know, when they're on their way to babysit and everything. Um, and that, you know, he went out drinking. I remember she says he went out drinking with Mike Godfrey and he won't be back until late and I can't call him. And apparently that's supposed to be Ben, that he was out drinking and uh, he left a party. And then, of course, he gets hit by the car. So sad, unfortunately. But um, I always like that little that little bridge gap there. So the scenes in the hospital are pretty, I mean, they're pretty well done. I know that um, apparently one of the complaints somebody had was that it was far too des like like it was far too empty basically not desolate that's not the right word but far too empty of a hospital like hospitals don't look like that and i can vouch that actually very late at night i've been in a hospital i've unfortunately i've had to be in an emergency room and they're pretty quiet Very really late at night like there's not a whole lot of you know like people coming in and out honestly um especially i think in a small town you know that it would be even quieter in a small town so I can kind of understand that. I mean, that that was one of the, the things, that, the faults that people put on it, that there's no way that the hospital would be that empty that he would be able to walk through it. But it's like, no, in a small town, it could be, definitely. Late at night, could be that dead and quiet, and uh, he could you know, wreak havoc, as it were. I think that the scenes are filmed really well. I think Rick Rosenthal did an amazing job filming the movie. It's good. There's the dark and the light. I love the use of shadow. I love the scene where... Um, the nurses are talking outside the door, and you see Michael like in the nursery behind them, behind the glass. So creepy to see him with all the ba- in the room with all the babies. That's just so weird. Um, and then later to see him like he's in the shadow, like he's behind the curtain. I always find those those hospital curtains so creepy. Those sh- sh- you know they're so weird. And um, of course, we see Michael's shadow behind one, listening to them. And I love the way they they used all those little dark corners, light corners in the film to do that. Um, When Lori gets away too, when she's kind of limping down the hallway and she hides in one of the hospital rooms and tries to use a phone, you know, when she's starting to realize that something's going on, something's wrong, and she's kind of drugged as well. It's very creepy. The movie is really well done. I have to say though, my favorite scene in the whole movie is actually when Lori first sees Michael and uh, Michael kills the nurse. And then he starts following her and she goes down to the basement and he follows her down to the basement and like there's this, it's just such an agonizingly slow chase scene where you're, you're agonized because you, you you, like he's almost touching her and then you know, she gets away and then when she runs and gets inside the elevator, that is like the worst. And he comes up real slow, and he just like sticks his hand in. His hand just makes it, and then the door shuts. So it's just, I think they did it so well. I think they really um, kept the suspense going very well during that film, and especially in that scene. That that's oh, that scene always makes me kind of cringe every time I watch it. Even though I know what's going to happen, it still makes me cringe. I also love the end of the film. I love when uh, Loomis shows up at the hospital, and uh, they have the big, you know, shootout in the um, the 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 room with the gas, and of course there's the huge explosion. And then we, you know, we don't know what happened to Michael at the end of the film, but you obviously he got away. Um, I I also love too when his eyes bleed behind the mask. That's just a really cool shot and really well done. Apparently, there were blood. The like blood pumps inside the mask that he had to push as soon as they were done. And I love that he puts his hand up to his face. That always that scene is really that shot is really cool. I always like that too. So I enjoy Halloween too a lot. I think it's a great film. I think it's a good continuation to the story. I love you know I love watching Laurie Strode. I could watch Laurie Strode in any incarnation. Um, I'm I'm so happy that she did this new movie. I ca- I can't wait to talk to you about that in that last podcast because it's it's an amazing role that she plays so well and what it was just fantastic writing really well done so I love this character and I love seeing her she's so strong and she's so you know just perseveres throughout all the films and especially you know I love h2o as well I'll talk about h2o um when I get there too but this character is just fantastic, so I'd watch Lori again and again. I hope I hope they make another Halloween. I really do, like another new Halloween movie to, to keep the story going of what happens to Lori because she's just a great, strong female lead character. So kudos for Halloween 2 and for the new Halloween. Uh, but let's move on. So next in the series is Halloween 3, and what a change is that, right? Because Halloween 3 is completely different. <laughs> So Halloween 3 has uh, the tagline Season of the Witch. Um, I don't know if it's the tagline really. It's actually the, like the title. It's Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, colon Season of the Witch. Uh, it came out in 1982. Uh, it was directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. Uh, it was also written partially by Tommy Lee Wallace, but basically it was written by Nigel Neal. And um, he's uncredited on the film. And so is John Carpenter, who did a rewrite of Neil's script, along with Tommy Lee Wallace. So I think Tommy Lee Wallace might be given top billing for the writing, because neither John Carpenter nor Nigel Neal were credited with the writing. But we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. So Tommy Lee Wallace is known basically for... He did Fright Night 2. He also did It, uh, the miniseries of It that came out in 1990 with Tim Curry. Um, he did that. He's, uh, he's a really great director. He's He hasn't done a whole lot, but he's really done a lot with, like, John Carpenter. That's why he ended up, I think, on this movie. Um, he's done a lot as his, like, on his crew and done voiceover work and done acting stuff. So he's, uh, he's a big horror movie person, actually. We've seen him around a lot. And then um, for the cast, Tom Atkins is in it, playing Daniel Chalice, who's, like, the lead in the film. And Tom Atkins is amazing. He's wonderful. He's such a great actor. He was, uh, of course, played the dad in Show, which is one of my favorite horror movies. And uh, he also was in The Fog with, you know, the John Carpenter movie, The Fog. And he's just a solid character actor. And he's wonderful in this movie as the Dr. Daniel. Um, And then Stacey Nelkin played Ellie, who uh, is his kind of uh, love interest slash, you know, fellow detective for what's going on during the film. Uh, Dan O'Herlihy, who I mentioned uh, in the last part, uh, was played Connell Cochran, um, who's the head of the Silver Shamrock um, Novelty Company, and he's wonderful as well. Uh, Nancy Loomis, uh, actually her last name now is Keys, I assume because of her, like she got married or, or something, she plays uh, Linda Chalice, um, his ex-wife actually, in the film, and apparently, when they made this movie, she was pregnant with Tommy Lee Wallace's baby, which I found out while I was doing research. She's fantastic. She's great. She was in The Fog as well, you know, and uh, she, she's just a wonderful character actress. I like her a lot. I think mean, she's, she's been a lot, around a lot of the Carpenter movies. So so apparently, uh, you know, of course, the the synopsis of this film, we'll go over it very briefly, is that there are these masks that this company has made. They have this annoying jingle that comes on every five seconds to tell kids how many days there are till Halloween. And then if the kids, you know, tell them, buy this silver shamrock masks, wear them on Halloween night. And this keeps coming on and on and on. Well, uh, a man comes to the hospital. Um, Daniel Chalice is a doctor. And this man comes to the hospital. He's very sick. He ends up getting... This man comes in to, and kills him. And he's in a suit. And it's basically like he, they come in, they kill him, he's gone. And he realizes something... Fishies going on that the like that this something happened to this man. His daughter is Ellie, who comes in and is you know cons, you know wants to know what happened to her father. They start kind of researching what happened. It leads them to the Silver Shamrock Company, and they find out that the Silver Shamrock Company is basically their witches, and they have used they're using this like electronic electric telecommunication kind of device that basically turns kids into, it, like, kills them. It kill it will kill whoever puts the mask on, let's put it that way. And um, they'll turn into, you know, bugs, snakes, all kinds of creepy crawlies and terribleness. And, uh, you know, and basically just, I don't know, turn, like, I don't even, you don't even see what happens really to their face except to, like, the woman that is in the room. And, you know, they kind of turn to goo. It's very, very creepy. But, yeah, their, their basic plot is to kill a lot of children, on Halloween night with these masks. So it's it's incredibly creepy. And, and um, Daniel's trying to put a stop to it before it uh, gets too serious along with Ellie. And of course, you know, nothing turns out the way that they want it to, unfortunately. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen Halloween 3, you should definitely check it out. I think this movie gets such a bad reputation because there's no Michael Myers in it. But honestly, this film is excellent. When I went back and watched it, I I've watched it multiple times, and I really enjoy it. I enjoy it as a standalone film. I think it's a wonderful movie. I think it's really creepy, really well done. Um, everybody in it is excellent. It's really well acted. Uh, it's just a fabulous movie, and um, you know, and you can take it apart from the Halloween series with Michael Myers. Um, and I do, I, I, I treat it as its own kind of standalone film because it, it really is. It's just, it's got a great feel to it. And um, I honestly, it feels like a movie that's directed by John Carpenter, honestly, because it, it has that same aesthetic and feel to it. I think that Tommy Lee really uh, was inspired by John's look and his feel to his films, you know, um, because it I, to me it does. It feels like it could be a John Carpenter movie, most definitely. So kind of surprising. I think that it wasn't when I found out Many years ago, so um, a neat little tidbit of why they made this movie and it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. That apparently the plan was that John Carpenter thought that every year they could make a Halloween movie that had like a new story, it was a completely different story, so it didn't have anything to do with Michael Myers, it would just be a new story every year for Halloween, which I love that concept. But apparently, the movie did. You know, this movie did not do well when it came out in the theaters. I think people were expecting Michael Myers. They were very disappointed, and then it ended up. You know, it didn't do well at the box office. So then, of course, they wouldn't give them the funding to do it again. And it, I think that the the reason that that probably failed was because they'd already made a part two for Halloween. So I think now at this point, people expected a part three to be with Michael Myers, and then when it wasn't, they were very disappointed. So. And that's that's probably why that it it didn't do well. But I love that concept of making a new movie every year that has something to do with Halloween, but it's not the same story. It's something different every year because you know, there are stories happening all over the world on Halloween night, so who knows what 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 they could come up with. But I like that concept a lot. A neat little tidbit I found out was the voice of the operator on the phone when Daniel calls is Jamie Lee Curtis. and she's also the voice of the uh, curfew. <laughs> and uh, at the in in Santamira the um the town that they're in where silver Shamrock is you when you overhear the, the the voiceover saying when the the curfew is that's Jamie Lee in that and also Tommy Lee Wallace was the voice of the silver Shamrock ads so they they used all these like inner inner people to to do all these fun little voiceovers during the film um one of the the neat things is the the Silver Shamrock theme is actually London Bridges Falling Down. Silver Shamrock, you know, it's like, I won't sing it because you guys are going to have it in your head because I know I get it in my head when I watch it. Three more days till Halloween, Halloween. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's the London Bridge theme, and the reason they used that was because it was in the public domain and they didn't have to pay any money to use the London Bridge song, the theme to the song London Bridge for um, the Silver Shamrock jingle. Um the, uh, the the town of Santa Mira actually was also used as uh, the site for uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1956 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Also pretty cool. Yeah, it's I mean it's the town is very creepy because the people that are there are all kind of you know working for Silver Shamrock in their own way, or they owe something to the company because it's such a small town. So they're all kind of keeping the secret of what's happening in that factory for um, you know for their own. Evil purposes. It's it's just a really great movie, and it's really scary. And I always feel so bad for him, especially when Ellie turns. You know, and, and it's it has a very invasion of the body snatchers feel to it, especially the Ellie scene that that has an incredibly um, body snatcher feel to it when you see it. So it kind of made sense that this was the movie that uh, that, that was filmed there as well, or fil- or you know, set there as well. Um, it's it's just a really good movie. It's a great standalone film. I you know I'm not upset that there's no Michael Myers in it because it's not you know it wasn't his story. It was it was another story altogether, and and I like it a lot. So I think it's a great part of the series. So there you go, guys. There's uh, Halloween two and three, and uh, we'll move on next to do four and five. As I said, uh, that'll be the next two in the series that we will cover, and then we'll go on from there have some fun things coming up. Uh, I'm going to be putting out our, um, the two unboxing videos actually for horror pack, the December and the January, which I just recently got. So I'll be putting those out very soon. And then I also have, um, my, uh, unboxing for the horror pack coffin box, which I also got in December. I got both of those on Christmas Eve, actually, so I opened them on Christmas Eve. So those videos are cute. I just hadn't put them out yet, so I'm gonna have like a big glut of videos. The other thing that I'm gonna be um, having that uh, is a little contest. I have a movie that I want to give away for this contest. I'll give all the information when I uh, when I release it, so it should be pretty fun. I'm, it's kind of a little drive to get followers, so I'm hoping I can get some, uh, some new followers from that, so that's about it guys. (laughs) It's been a long week, but I'm really excited that I got to do uh, two and three with you guys tonight. So we'll keep going with the series and do four and five and I'll see you soon. Stay spooky.